Hey, welcome to Unstoppable Consciousness. This is a great episode. We started uh, off the cuff with my dear friend, Bashkar. He is an extraordinary human being, and we just decided to start recording right in midway conversation. We were catching up, and it turned into one of the best episodes of Unstoppable Consciousness and talking about the real deal about what's happening in the world and the true experience of change that we need to collectively make. So enjoy the episode. We're just going to do us because this is what we do. This is what we do. We're doing us. <laughs> this is how we do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's been great. I'm away, my friend. You were, you were expressing how this de- uh, the decluttering uh, is uh, manifesting for you. Uh, yeah. yeah. For sure. I mean, you know, it's about that. For me, it's about that. And what I was saying, um, what we were talking about is like, you know, how, you know, how to, what do you have to do right now? What are are we up to? What's being called, you know, and what's being called for me has been that decluttering myself, my life, my ideas, my business, cleaning up, cleaning up house, realizing that the we is the problem. (laughs) So if we fix, if I heal, fix what I'm collectively creating in the way that's negative because I'm not right with myself then that's going to automatically make a ripple effect for the rest of the people to realize that if we if we heal what's going on internally we're going to heal what's going on in a humanitarian way and you know like that's been a big focus for me it really has it really 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 has and you know like I think about you too and I'm excited to have our conversation because I obviously I love talking to you anyways but because I think that's critical in the work that you do too right it's like what are you doing now to serve your inner world which serves the outer world because it's from the inside out that the outside in gets really you know it can move more peacefully and gracefully because I think that's what's wrong in the world right now is we don't we don't see clearly that some things inside of our humanity right now they live inside of people that's where they got birthed and they live inside of what's broken inside of us as as individuals because an individual had to discover greed as a formula for what's going on in the world right now you know what i mean someone somewhere had this idea that if i take for myself and that that ripple effect is what we're dealing with right now for me mm-hmm. that's what we're really dealing with we're dealing with the brokenness in individuals which cr- is creating a collective for other people to think that it's okay to behave that way too we forgot our individuation we forgot our personal dharma we've forgotten our personal ability to rise and that that's supposed to be the generosity impact that's supposed to be the compassion impact because when you understand what you're experiencing you're able to share it with the world right Mm. and the practice of that what is that going to mean so that's what i've been working on really really intensely honestly beautiful (laughs) you You know know, and just sitting with that so yeah it reminds me of a very cute anecdote because you mentioned right in the beginning that we is the problem and yeah. for me i'm a huge fan of the headstand you know uh <laughs> standing upside you know this already and I, I find, yeah life makes way more sense when you turn it upside down i just find it it's, it's just deeply revealing and if you take the we and turn it upside down you get me <laughs> you know me is the problem exactly but and i really <laughs> so, yeah the inside job it's uh yeah, I find it's, it's, it's dead on point, you know, because if you try to figure things out externally, all the details, uh, you, can get, you can get really lost in all kinds of possibilities and theories. 
uh, yet if you boil it down like you just so beautifully did, it comes down to the story of, of greed that's somehow just taken over all the systems around the world and poisoned our ability to manifest our dharma. You know, and we get caught, you know, we get caught in that idea, you know, and I, I, you know, my work, and I know your work too in the world is you work with deeply spiritual empathic people. Mm. And if you hear something a hundred times, it becomes something you tune into in your frequency of self. And you, if you're looking on the outside for what's on the inside, you're going to tune in to that idea of greed and population, all the population doing the same thing, because that's mm. been happening for, for here, for us in North America, that is our civilization is let us collectively let other things take care of you as an individual. Mm. When was the last time you planted your own garden? When was the last time you went hunting for yourself? When was that? We have this socialization, which says this bigger picture is going to take care of you, the individual. So we've forgotten ourselves. Mm. We've forgotten how to self care. We've forgotten how to take care of our dharma, our literal, what am I here to do? Mm. It's convenience. It's a convenience to have a convenience store. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. That could work for a collective. But how is that spreading in a way that's negative? Because we're forgetting who we are. So this has been for me the, the real opportunity in all of this is, it, you know, COVID as an example is like teaching everybody. But who are you really in the big scheme of things exactly? Mm. You're a human being that can be destroyed by a virus. Just like that. Just like that. Yeah. So who are you really? All the posturings and all the collections of all the you know, material things, gone. Gone. You know, just like that. So who are we really? Yeah. And what are all the things that you haven't done because you're watching other people and you have to think, we think we have to be this or that, or we have to market this way and scream this loud and share who we are and live in our gifts and find our purpose. And in all that demonstration of noise, where are we really? What have we forgotten about what we're really called to do? And so for, you know, for me, that's been the deep embedded feeling in my heart is like, this is not a collective change. It's a personal change, which is going to collect, which is going to change the collective. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's the service that we can do. Like for me, that's the service I can do is help. Like as an example, people that are empathic, stop listening to the noise outside and listen to inside and, and learn to really understand that their soul has its own process. There's no joke. We're together in this. There's a reason to, there's a collective awareness for me that we've created this madness because we believe the outside in and not the inside out. You know what I mean? And that's become the problem, I think, a big part of the problem, you know? You know, in, in the Yoga Sutras, the very first sutra is translates to, and thus begins the understanding of yoga. And the and thus sort of points to a prerequisite, uh, a prerequisite of readiness. A prerequisite of some kind of curiosity mm -hmm. uh, of you know these these more uh, perennial questions like who am I really and what is my gift uh, because uh, many of us don't want to look at it it's no. painful there's a lot a lot of things that are unexamined that is very humbling and uh, and uncomfortable um, so it's much easier to just you know uh, project um, judgments and and you know uh, anger greed fear that kind of stuff but when you have to turn that microscope inside, it's, it's unpleasant, you know, at, at many levels. It's, it's, it, it causes, you know, a, a lot of self-reflection. And, uh, and, I, and I hope, 
it's my sincere wish that this intense situation we're going through collectively gives us that opportunity to be more curious about life. Um, you know, to, to really you know, go to that original state where, you know, we, we are born with these unique gifts everybody it's amazing how this is so it's been so true throughout my entire life you know so, you know before i used to think hey i have this gift and somebody else doesn't so i'm smarter not true this no. person way more gifts that i don't have you know in many different <laughs> yeah. music or dancing or cooking or or, or 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 speaking or athletics or whatever it might be you know um, or just loving compassion care all the inner jewels kindness generosity so we all have these qualities and uh, you know, this is really a good opportunity to, to self-reflect on what they are in a very objective way, double down on them, refine them in a way that, that is meaningful and offer to the world um, and, and create you know, uh, a better story. Because as you pointed to, there's a story that's been built around greed, all systems around it. And it seems to me the way out is to just change the story. <laughs> you yeah. know? And the focus, like you're saying to me, that's amazing point of view, because it really is about if you're, if, you know, if you're looking outside for who we are on the inside, if that's what we're doing yeah. and we're listening to that noise, what happens is inside, we don't hear what's important and what's not important. You yeah. know, for some people, um, you know, they lost their jobs as an example. Yeah. And if we're, if they're focused on what's happening outside. Let's say they're focused on the news and they're focused on this and they're focused on that. They can't hear their internal system saying, you need to do this to attain money for your survival. Mm. They can't hear their inner wisdom because okay. they're focused on the outside and thinking about what's on the outside and thinking about what the government's gonna give them and thinking, and they're missing the inner guidance, which says, um, I know what to do. Mm. I know what I, you need to do. Yeah, causing uh, anguish. A lot of anxiety. Yes. Um, so how do you help, Lisa? Just, uh, you know, I, I know, because I, I work with you, but you know, I just want any, whoever's listening, watching to also understand, how do you help people tap into that, that inner wisdom uh, that comes from listening? Yeah. Well, there's a few ways. Like for me, and, uh, and I know, um, I know for you as well, like I know your brilliance as well, you know, and, and I, and I deeply, you know, for me, it's like, oh, when you, when you go inside, there's a few things. One of them is to understand the empathic power that people have. Most people are empathic. They feel and sense and know energy outside of themselves. That's how the collective has been able to populate our minds and take us prisoners. Mm -hmm. Just like as a child, the child knows what their parents want from them. And if they get caught in that and they don't have a parent that teaches them that their soul, their essence, their own energy is of the greatest value and the highest of the highest regard, more important than whatever they teach them, the child gets conditioned based on the energy that it feels from their family and their environment. And when we grow up like that, and we, with this is our population has learned outside in, not inside out, it becomes a plague inside of ourselves. It becomes, we are tuning forks our empathic gift, our energetic frequencies, our chakra system, our auric system starts to tune in the wrong way. It's looking on the outside because of the conditions of the mind. And it's looking for what it should do on the outside and not listening to the inside saying, don't listen to that, don't listen to this, listen to this. Creating that energetic field, which will give us the guidance and attract us to our next right steps personally, you know? 
So teaching about the energetics, teaching about the empower, the power of being an empath and working with our energy deliberately and learning how to go in and feel our force field directing our actions, learning how to block the wrong energy from our ears, our eyes, our sounds energetically. This is what I've been doing. This has been the most important thing for me is to help people understand their energetic power because through that energetic power, they can block what is really not good for them and stop listening to all the noise outside that's just hammering down on our, on our hearts and our minds and our, our fears and our emotions and really tune in to inside. And what do we need to do on the inside, whether it's breath, whether it's you know, taking care of ourselves, whether it's yoga class, whether it's doing actions that serve and not in fear through, yeah, you know what, this is a great time for you to do healing. Oh, it is. Okay, great. But we're in COVID. I should worry about my job. No, you shouldn't worry about your job. You're good. I want you to worry about self-healing because our inner world, our inner guidance will tell us what to do when our energy, when our energy is blocking what is not in our highest truth. And our energy system can hear the highest truth from the outside and get directions. But when we don't have our energy safely contained in our own orb, we're going to hear all kinds of things that are not tuned into our highest yeah. vision of what we need to do next. You know? So that's what I've been doing. What yeah. have you been doing? I want to know. Wow. Uh, so, so much you've expressed. I, I'm finding that... Um, it's never been more important to maintain a healthy body and a peaceful mind. Yes. One moment, please. Yes, yes. Close this. We have to close this noisy window because this is such a good conversation. Okay. So here we are. You know, um, I, I'm seeing this a lot in, in into the, the webinars and the you know private clients and so on that I'm that I have the good fortune to be with. There is a lot of what you pointed to, this outside-in way of living, you know, yeah. looking for verification, validation from the external world. And, uh, and currently, because life is so uncertain, you know, and we, as, as a species, we like certainty. Even if it's terrible, we like to know what's going to happen next. And right now, nobody really knows what's going to happen next. Whoa, yeah. a lot of light coming through the window now. <laughs> I've become white. Uh, <laughs> as usual. So, uh, so it, it, exactly to your point that this uh, fear basically jams up dharma. You know, it, it jams up the flow, uh, you know, of the gifts that we are born with at a, at, a, at a subtle level, at a gross level. You know, the worst thing you could do with, to your body right now is to go through stress and all the hues of stress, anger, depression, frustration, uh, you know, anxiety and so on, because that severely compromises your immune system. And, you know, so it, it's like, a, it, it's, it's been shown actually that, you know, by and large, many people who have been severely affected by this virus, uh, they are going through some kind of anxiety. So, um, so it's very important to look after this mind-body system. You know, I really celebrate the, the, the Chinese word uh, for a crisis. I, I understand it to be wuji or something like that. It's got two parts to it. The first part is danger, be careful. This is very clear. The external world is going through tremendous change and reshaping. The second part, G, means good fortune opportunity. There's actually a good fortune right now. And the good fortune is this is a great time to, to double down on your own life experience. This is a great time to, to look after your body, your mind, to ask these questions. 
what am I really meant to serve here? You know, in this movie, this tapestry of life, I'm here right now. And what's the, what's the best version of this movie? <laughs> you know, what's the best way to manifest in this life? So, and when we are in a state of fear, it's difficult to navigate that way. So to answer your question, yoga essentially is this cavalry of techniques to release tightness from the body <laughs> and tightness from the mind. I love it. Cavalry. I love yeah, it. It's like everything. You want breathing, you want vibrations, you want mantras, you want you know, movement, you want whatever you want. It's like, boom. So, uh, so it's all designed to create an expansive yes. state from tightness to expansion and lightness. And uh, so, so there is that, there's the actual practice, the pranayama, the, the asana, the, the dharana, dhyana, the meditation and so on. Um, then there's the philosophy as well. It's just how you see things. I think Dr. Wayne Dyer said it beautifully. Mm -hmm. uh, the way you look at things changes what you look at, you know, worse that effect. So it's yeah. just offering different perspectives on how to navigate through relationship challenges, health challenges, career challenges uh, so so what i my methods are practice and dialogue and uh, and just like you it's empathic it's empathic it's not a script you just you're totally present and whatever comes comes from wherever it is kind of a thing so um so that's really how you know i i'm i wish to serve right now um and also you know, just I'm also educating myself right now as well. It's a great time to double down on, on my, my skills, my gifts, my arts, or reading a lot more, listening to podcasts and audiobooks that yes. really empower me. Yes. Uh, so this is a great time to get empowered. So if that's the opportunity here. And it's never been more important to genuinely feel empowered so that you become an expression of love and not fear um, and, and, and part of the solution and not a part of the problem, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and another level of that is that we have fear because we have needs and when our needs are not met we get afraid so it's really going that level deeper right down to the firmware of people not the software operating system of personality but down to the hard code that's inside our bodies that create these reactive patterns based on um, unmet needs either uh, real or imagined Mm. So, and and discovering ways and how we can meet those needs ourselves which is that. very possible yeah i love that it makes me think of a couple of things it makes me think of um th what you said in the beginning you know <clears throat> and like we like certainty and i was thinking to myself but do we really or mm -hmm. is that a condition mm -hmm. you know like and i've been thinking a lot about what we were like before the cement yeah, well, it's an illusion, isn't it? It's an illusion. Yes, yes, yes. And but I was thinking a lot about, about that. Yeah, well, you know, there's something about that, you know. I, yeah. I know if I work here, I'm going to get a paycheck, and I'm, with that paycheck, I can pay my rent and get the food. And, you know, there's that sort of mechanical certainty. Um, yet, yeah. it, you know, we've just realized in the last few months that it's very ephemeral. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it's an illusion. Uh, so if our anchor for certainty cannot be outside, what if we can have another anchor of certainty, which is more yeah. inside, as in knowing what I'm about, knowing what my gifts are, yeah. knowing how to best contribute to the story, and that becomes my certainty. Yes, I love it. I love it. And that is the key for me. That is the total key. You know what I mean? The other thing I want to say is, you know, like, 
especially about you, because one of the one of the, the attributes I love, and I've known you a long time, you know, and I I've watched you grow in your capacity to listen to people and the condition the conditional problem. And one of my favorite things about you is you're able to pull out of nowhere, out of the ethers, I don't even know where it comes from, stories of wisdom that bring clarity to that problem, whatever the problem is, whether it's a, you know, an internal one, or if it's in a conversation, you know, <laughs> just like now we're just talking, you're like, yeah, I have a story for that. And I have actually something to help us reshape, rethink, open our minds and think differently about the conditions we're talking about right now because every conversation has condition in it like there's a reason we're having the conversation there's something we're trying to explore understand share give hear listen to be fed by and it's so critical now like i think your work is so important right now because people need to hear other stories that they've forgotten they need to hear ancient wisdom we need to remember things that are sitting in history just waiting for us to grab and say oh yeah that that happened and this is what the lesson was let me reintegrate that lesson now because i forgot or i didn't know because i was born in this time and in this time the conditions although not different for my humanity they're different in how i'm living the environment the internet the the speed you know people say often to me too like you know i tell people my clients especially i'm like don't you have to get off the internet. It's like a portal of energy that's going to just destroy you if you don't take space from it. Mm-hmm. It will destroy your mind, your reflections, your internal guidance. Make sure you have that time to go in, to do the practice, to breathe, to think, to, to read stories, to listen to something else, to have other ideas of how we have to reshape rethink especially from our own inner guidance perspective you know yeah and to hear that guidance i had a i had a conversation the other day with one of my classes one of my students and you know this was the conversation what's what's the difference between intuition and inner guidance you know and i I took time to explain intuition is something that drops in it drops in from somewhere from a higher perspective it drops into us hey, this is what's going to happen. This is what it looks like. Turn left, go here, go there. Inner guidance is, I know everything about you. I know all that you are. And I know what you're here to do. And I know how you need to do it. And I see the current of events right now. And I know what you're afraid of. And I have some directions for you. Mm. I have some help to give you from this inner core divine perspective and human perspective. And it lives inside of us. Like there's a system inside of us that knows where we have to grow, what we need to do, um, what we need to look at, even when it doesn't make sense, Um, how to navigate the process of what's going on around us anytime, not just at a time like this, but anytime. And the intuition that comes that drops in, anchors into that guidance and becomes directional. So that's also why it's so important for people to stop listening to outside and listen to the inside and learn about how deeply embedded this inner guidance works. You know, you know, in your teachings and I've been to your classes and you know, for me, one of the coolest things ever (laughs) is sometimes I just realized how our breath will open the mind and open the space 
to just hear the real directions. And when we do that intentionally, the power of those directions, because for me, yoga and breath and the work you do, it's not just for that. It's for hearing yourself and hearing the codes inside the system, which physically, physiologically, we know what to do. Our instincts are too far away from us because of our civilization, but our instincts know what to do to survive. You know what I mean? Our inner guidance that can direct our emotions, our actions, our, you know, what's next? What do we, how do we have to, what perspective to take on what's going on based on our future, where we're going personally? And, and then we look at globally. That's what's critical now. That's like one of the most important things, you know? It's uh, when your body and mind stop shouting, you yeah. can hear the inner guidance a lot better. And yoga is just a way to stop your body and mind from shouting, you know, shouting with an aching pain here or something, you know, something hanging there, you know, or the mind shouting at you. When you calm that stuff down, there's, yeah, absolutely. There's this consistent knowing voice, you know, it's, I find it to be emotion free. It's not excited. It's not depressed. It just tells you as it is, as an inner guidance uh, and beautiful observation uh, that uh, inside inspiration, intuition just comes like a spark, bang, you know, uh, which is, it, it has this sparky quality to it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is, uh, this is really what yoga is about and what stories have to do with it, which is why I love stories, <laughs> you know, and I wish for people to, a good story should offer a new perspective. That's what the function of a story is. And there are some really great stories out there in the end, you end up going, hmm, oh yeah, I didn't see it that way, or oh yeah, I forgot about that, because that's what stories do, good stories do. So uh, hanging out with good stories, and then what starts to happen, at least for me, is you start to see good stories everywhere. You know, like an incident with my daughter, that's a great story, you know, or an incident with the car, that's a great, you know, so you just pick up stories. Some are ancient, and some just happened five seconds ago, yeah. <laughs> you know? But you know, it's, uh, the stories determine our perspective and our perspective determines how we navigate through life. You know, that's how powerful stories are. And to me, we seem to have three layers of stories. There are the cultural stories, societal stories, global stories, you know? So I'm a Christian, I'm a, I'm a Canadian, I'm a Buddhist, I'm a, all that stuff, right? That's that. Then you have the interpersonal stories. Ah, Lisa's like this, Pascal's like this, interpersonal, you know, projecting stories on each other. Yeah. Um, and then we have the most, uh, most dangerous ones, the ones that we keep locked in, you know, the intimate stories, the ones that are really operating how we see life, you know, yeah. stories of stories of unworthiness, stories of, you know, or, 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 or arrogance, whatever it might be. Yeah. So it's really important to, I, I find, reprogram those stories. And, uh, and this goes back to, to healing, um, you know, wounds, because we, we are born into life story-free because there's vocabulary free. We have personality traits. We have, you know, uh, unique, you know, physical, mental, spiritual abilities and so on. But the stories come in, you know, uh, around between the age of, let's say, three to 12. You know, that's like the most influential time because that's when we're observing so much. You're like, we're like sponges absorbing, absorbing. So absorbing cultural stories, parental stories, stories from our friends and school and so on. And uh, a lot of those stories are just unhealed wounds and trauma that are just handed down and examined. 
and which is which is really what we carry around with us just mm-hmm. with respect to my parents they they did the best they could do but there were some unresolved stuff that i inherited and then they inherited from their parents this sort of a thing so that's what's jamming up the signal you know the, these uh these really um brilliant you know intimate stories um opinions i have about myself fears which is why i put on a personality you know um pascar yoga teacher pascar husband pascar you know this all that stuff when that starts to become thin and dissolve then there can be true presence no performance no persona just presence mm. um and then that inner guidance is 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 in the driving seat <laughs> yes and you know what's interesting also to highlight um in the conversation here is our inner guidance is fearless it doesn't mind looking at difficult things it doesn't mind looking at darkness it doesn't mind looking at joy it doesn't mind looking at anything it's willing to address anything and direct anything because there's no limits it doesn't have a judgment it doesn't care if it's good or bad or or dark or light it cares about the process of finding the new story creating something new moving through the process you know and finding the way finding the way through, you know, often I find myself saying this to my clients is things like, you know, there's no way through, but through, right. You know that (laughs) it's like, well, that's profound. No, that's true. There's no way through, but through like, you know, you know, there's not a bypass no matter how quick you want to, you know, have that snap there's, you're still having to go through that awareness or the change of that perception by seeing the truth, you know, but I, I love the layers you're talking about. And it's very important, you know, very, very important. And yoga too, like, this is what I find profound is yoga, breath work, really meditation is a fearless practice. Often people look at this practice as it's, you know, it embodies healing, it embodies positivity. And I often tell people, you know, when you sit with yourself in your quietest moment, that's when things really can come up. It's a fearless practice. You have to be fierce to sit with self. It seems to be so, you know, but uh, so gentle, like uh, yet inside, there's this quality of fearlessness and it cultivates fearlessness as well. Uh, And and you're very right. This this inner guidance voice that we have experienced it and the way I express it is like, it has no horse in the race. It's just saying, this is how it is. (laughs) That's all, you know? It does. And you're like, care about, you know, grand or or minuscule. It's just, this is how it is. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah. yeah, for me, my experience has been the way I understand yoga. It's, it's to cultivate that condition where you can hear that voice a little bit better than a little bit better. And, uh, and ultimately, that it becomes a default setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a very important time to, to just be self-aware, you know, take out all the ideas, concepts of even wanting to be peaceful, healthy, happy, all that stuff. Just, you know, it sounds so simple you know my my morning practice is so simple if anybody saw it like this is it it's a joke it's, it's so simple what's going on here <laughs> nothing fancy no legs over my head nothing at all you know <laughs> simple um because i know where the tension manifests in my body you know i know what meditation practice really suits me well and what breath work really suits me well so it's a very simple practice so the challenge is not how complicated it is is very simple yet it's complex because doing it is complex because we are complex 
you know, we, we have difficulty with simplicity. We want some intellectual gymnastics. We want something complicated, some high philosophy. Yeah. But when you just like sit, observe breath, what? You know? <laughs> I want something more. Give me something more. You know? I yeah. want a bone to chew on. And, uh, you know, at its purest, yoga is really very simple. The way I understand it is you move so your body's pain-free, injury-free, internal organs are functioning well so you can sit without being disturbed. To, the way I understand optimum health is to be able to sit still for a meaningful duration without being distracted by aches and pains. Uh, and that's the function of the asana practice. And if you can do that, that means you're in good health, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and then you do the breath practice just to regulate the mind. Um, the ancient yogis understood something very obvious that the breath is very much related to the mind. So if I'm going through anxiety, stress, anger, frustration, my breath pattern will be shaky and erratic and unsteady. If I'm in a pleasant environment and having a great conversation, my breath will be nice and smooth because my mind is comfortable. And when I go into deep states of meditation, the breath almost disappears, becomes very, very thin because my mind is very, very calm. So mm -hmm. there's a mirroring effect here. So as I regulate my breath, I regulate my mind at one level. Another level, there's energy as well. The, the, the energy that's flowing in my body this is not just inert matter. There's energy in here. And, the, and there's science behind how the breath allows us to regulate and extend our vitality. And so much of us feel overwhelmed or, 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 or depressed because we have very low energy in our body. So the pranayama really helps to supercharge the battery of your body. It's very much like a cell phone. You want to be able to charge it as much as possible and not waste energy on apps that are working in the background uh, that are completely useless. You know, so, and that's meditation to just shut down all that noise that's really not serving any meaningful purpose. Yeah, it's powerful, really, really powerful. I want to ask you a question about what you think, you know, what you think the collective needs. I mean, I know you enough to know, like, you know, we're talking about things, but I know you're as a very, very deep and profound human being. And I know you take, you take time to think deeply about what's going on. So, I want to know your perspective about what the collective is going through, you know, and what you think might really bring service to people to think differently about it, to help themselves, you know, is there anything that you really have understood from your own deep dive into what's going on that you want to share? As you speak, what's coming up for me is the power of simplicity. Yeah. You know, uh, it's really in the simple and if it's complicated, sit with it longer until it becomes simple. Mm. Yeah, I have, like many people have, when this whole thing started, tried to get information, just get an understanding of what's going on. And once I understood it, like you just did, simple. You know, there's a story around greed that we have created a society around. You can go into details, but you understand that. And then you focus on simple. How can I contribute to a magnificent story? Yes. And just go into that you know, mm -hmm. simple. And what kind of a body and mind do I need to navigate through that meaningfully? Simple, you know? If your calling is to be a bodybuilder, then go ahead, get to the gym and do what you gotta do. If you, you know, uh, if you're a runner, then, you know, so understand what you're about. I use the metaphor of what I call an orange tulip, you know? So, so we, if you have a seed, someone gifted you a seed of an orange tulip, and you put it in the ground, you gave it the right environment for it to grow. And then 
is it ever going to be a mango tree? <laughs> Impossible. Or a sunflower or even a red tulip. It's not going to happen. Yeah. You can be an orange tulip. <laughs> you can cry and pray and beg and scream. You can do whatever you want to, but it can only be an orange tulip. You can be violent. It's going to be a battered orange tulip, but still, orange tulip. So it's really about understanding what's your orange tulip? What are you about? And then become the best version of that. Um, so it's really that simple. Know what you're about and double down on your gifts and offer them to the world in a way that's meaningful. And the rest will come from wherever it is. That's my best understanding. Mm. So it was a shift. Uh, I think Dr. Wayne Dark calls it the shift from ambition to, ambition to meaning. So I've been programmed in the world of ambition. When that shift took place of meaning, then suddenly there was a deepening of appreciation. And all the stuff that I was seeking, strangely enough, just came from wherever it was, or different tangential things happened I wasn't even prepared for. Yeah. So, uh, so that was a huge eye-opener for me, that shift from seeking to appreciating, from ambition to meaning, uh, from complexity to simplicity. Mm. This would be the big life lesson. That's amazing. And how did you make space for that? Was it from sim the simplicity of practice of just everything you just described? Like I went into this place inside and that allowed for these experiences to happen. I, I wish I could say I sat in meditation and I had this aha moment. <laughs> uh, no, it was from the first burning of life. <laughs> I had to almost die. It was brutal. <laughs> yes, it was not pleasant. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was the life, you know, because you know, the compassionate way of whispering, I wasn't hearing it. So uh, life had to shout at me. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I, I, I wish to save people that harsh way of, of, of understanding because it's uh, maybe it's necessary. I don't know. But for me, it was, um, yeah, going through uh, one very intense near-death experience. Um, it just added another layer of understanding. Um, there's something about crisis, which is very beautiful. It's the strangest thing, you know? I think Bob Dylan said it best. There is no success like failure, and failure is no success at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. So although externally it looks like a big failure, but internally it's a huge success because that, you know, combined with the regular practice allows for better seeing. Um, that's, that's what it was for me. For sure, the practice helped me navigate through that intensity. It, like, gave me a seatbelt so I didn't have to you know, bash my head too hard against the, you know, the carriage. But um, so it was a combination of having a, a practice and going through the full catastrophe of life mm -hmm. that allowed me uh, this very helpful perspective. And so going through a near-death experience, obviously there's tremendous takeaways from that because I'm hearing you and, you know, I know we've shared a lot of these stories and experiences, right? But I think the takeaway is enormous for people because often people are running away from their near-death experiences, which are occurring all the time. Like humanity is in one now. We're in a near-death experience. We're, we're, we're trying to be shown what we need to understand, you know, that is killing us from the inside, you know, or that can be doing this. And I want to know how you know, if you, if you don't mind talking about that more deeply, how did it change you? Like, what were the lessons that brought you there? You know, what did you learn that became very significant for what you understand today? Yeah. You know? Up to that point, 
what I'm bending back, what I realized is I was using yoga as a tool, as a technique, you know? So yes. when life jams up, I'll use this technique, this breathing technique, this mantra, this exercise, whatever, you know, it was a tool. So I was in a condition where none of my tools were working. Mm -hmm. I was absolutely helpless. The, the life was so intense. I was in helpless pain. And what created in me was a genuine state of surrender. Mm -hmm. You control nothing. You know, let go of your techniques, your strategies, your cleverness. Mm. Um, and that surrender allowed for the isness of life to speak is the best way I can describe it because it's, it's really beyond words. Um, and, uh, and so what happened that I just break down the experience was I'm in intense, helpless pain. And, you know, when I got to the place of complete surrender, this is how it is. This is the reality of this moment. The very next thing was, okay, let's dance with this. Yes. Let's dance with this. You know, yes. what is working? Hey, I'm still breathing. Cool. That's working. You know, pretty much that was the only thing that was working at the time. <laughs> you know, okay, cool. All right. I'm still breathing. That's cool. You know, and then where attention goes, energy flows. You focus on what is working, you know, what was, you know, even if it's like down to 1%, it becomes 2%. 20%, 50%, and that's kind of how it is. So you focus on what is working and you empower that with your attention and your intention. Okay, that's working, and now that's working. And what's working becomes more and more and more and more. Um, so that's how it played out for me. Helplessness, surrender, dance. <laughs> mm hmm I love it. Appreciation, appreciation, appreciation was big, you know? Yeah. And, and really, I was in a condition where nothing was working besides my breath. So that was life telling me there's always something to appreciate. Yeah. And that's so, that is so powerful. I just want everyone to just think about that for a minute. How important that is. It is so important. Like, what can you, and not be grateful for. You're not saying that. You're saying, what can you appreciate? Mm. Really appreciate. And I, I, I like the conversation of the difference between appreciation and gratitude even though they're, they're close cousins, there's a difference when you sit and you really appreciate a moment, appreciate something. For me, a sense of gratitude can come from that. But when you yeah. really understand what's happening to you, I think that's what appreciation is. You're understanding the details of your suffering. You're understanding the details of someone's generosity, of the details of a, a beautiful conversation like this, of who you are, like, you know, I see who you are. I can feel who you are. I'm letting it into who I am. I'm not just grateful for what you're doing for me. I'm feeling you. I'm embracing this moment. I'm so deeply appreciative of what I'm experiencing from. You're so in the presence of what's going on that it, it liberates your heart and your mind. It opens the, the, the portal for this state of grace and humility, you know, for me, that's what it brings. That's what it brings the ego completely in submission because it has no place to live in appreciation because it doesn't understand that. So it's like this natural environment for beauty and grace in any situation, you know, like in any adversity, in any challenge, you know, 
oh, for me, that's so beautiful and powerful and important. You know, I, I wanted to share this with you. A few years ago, I said my new value, one of the standards that I wanted to create in my life, because I wasn't living it, you know, I was an over, I'm like an overgiver and oh, it's crazy. And I'm like, stop doing that. You know? Yeah, I'm like, stop it. And a few years ago, I said, okay, so what is the goal, you know, inner guidance? What is the goal for this year? What shall I focus on as really important? And one of the, one year, I, I realized appreciation was really important for me. And that I wasn't even focusing on that as something that's a value and a way of living and being. And, and inside out, outside in, like, are people that are, are they with me? Are they appreciating me? Do they see me? Or are they like just looking past me, you know, or am I really in the moment with people that I'm working with? Do I really appreciate the people in my life? Do I really appreciate everything that's around me? Do I appreciate my car when I get in? Do I give it that? Thank you for being here with me, driving me from this place to this place, because it's different than I'm grateful for this car. And I, and I practiced this for a year, every single thing I did, I'm practicing the appreciation for this water and what it's going to do in my body and sitting and breathing with that and letting that run through me. That, because when I take this glass of water and I look at it and I find appreciation, I appreciate where it came from because I could see that. And then I think about where did you come from? And there's a, there's a trail of moments of seeing how much went into this water and what it's doing in my body and then i move into appreciating my body because this water is feeding the cells which are making and it become it's become for me this endless 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 experience of just great joy in good or bad in dark or light so you know good. what i mean Beautiful. such a teacher appreciation, appreciation you know and uh as you said so beautifully, it, it's a quality of noticing. Yes. It, it's, so this is it's a quality of noticing and the effect is gratefulness. Yes. And when you really stop to notice, it's overwhelming how much there is to appreciate. It is really overwhelming. So gorgeous and wonderful and mm -hmm. important. You know, it really is. It really even the stuff that ja that's jamming up, if you really stop to notice, you will see the lesson in it. And you'll go, my goodness, that's brilliant. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you start to appreciate the crap as well, going, wow, <laughs> brilliant lesson. <laughs> that's true. And, and even yeah. adversity and challenges and even what's going on in the world now, if you can, we can get into that place of appreciating the moments we do have, what the lessons we're learning, you know, yeah. to sing singularly and globally. Um, you know, for the reflections of who we are and how we're showing up to the people around us or, you know, yeah. whatever comes through, just being in that state of mind. And I made it, I know for me, I made it this goal that everything that I would do, I would stop and ask what I could appreciate. I mean, I mean, every day, like, what could I appreciate in this conversation? What could I appreciate out taking these steps in this pain, in what I'm not doing, in my stress, in my strain, in my frustration? in the lessons and letting go in every single thing that came to me. And I, it's easier for me to practice because I made that an important priority in my intentions. And I think if we do that, we live that, we become the living of that, then it becomes a natural disposition, which heals those stories, doesn't it? If, it if makes us that comes out from our conversation, I hope the viewer listener comes out with that understanding. Uh, yeah. Appreciation is not morality. It's a life skill. 
it's a very practical life skill. If you're going through anxiety, stress, anger, fear, phobia, neurosis, depression, all that kind of stuff, try appreciation. And you make this simple, very simple realization, the two can't coexist. It's impossible yes. to appreciate and be stressed. It's as simple as that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What do you tell your children about what's going on? This is a very good question because I have a 14-year-old, 11-year-old, and 3-year-old. I know. That's why I'm asking. Like, you know, the viewers are going to love this. <laughs> you see, the 14-year-old is, uh, is tuned in. He's slick. He's savvy. You know, he's got his own thing going on. Uh, so he has his own... He's mature enough to understand life in his own way. We have some great conversations um, around things that he's interested in. Um, so I, really, I do my best to not tell them anything. This is a conscious effort, and it's been something that's been hard-earned. You know, I've been a parent now for 14 years, so it's a lesson I'm learning the slow and hard way that children just don't learn from what I say. You know, if anything, they learn from who I am. And my role primarily is not to teach them or fix them or anything like that. It's just to create a, a loving environment where they feel safe and they feel heard. So this is my intention. I, I, I failed many times, you know, <laughs> and you just pick yourself up, dust yourself off and try it again because <laughs> all the old programming that, uh, that I have to undo. It is my sincere intention just to create an environment where they feel safe and, and, and loved and comfortable. So when life does, when life does, you know, hit him on the blind side, they have a safe place to come to and they recognize what love and safety looks like so they can feel the difference. So that's really my sole focus on as a parent. I don't really go into explaining life and philosophies and what I think is going on. They can figure this out for themselves. If they have a question, of course, I'll, I'll look to answer it in a way that, that is meaningful and uplifting. Um, you know, uh, but generally, you know, Google's got that covered. <laughs> oh, yeah, they have access. They have Google access. <laughs> What's going on? Ask Google. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's great to, to pick on something uh, that's interesting for both of us and just have a great conversation. It's rarely about pandemic. It's more about soccer and you know tennis and stuff like that. For my son, for my daughter, it's just playing games and being creative. And for the youngest one, it's just goofing around. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love that you're focused on them where they are. That's so important. It's so important. Very beautiful and humbling process to be a parent. I tell you, it's, it's uh, you know, for me, I, I often joke and sincerely joke that the best I can hope for is to ruin them just a little bit. That's the <laughs> best case scenario, you know? <laughs> so knowing that. <laughs> but they're also amazing, genuinely unbelievable. I find so much inspiration from them. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a weird thing to, to be so much bigger and to be in a position of, authority <laughs> when uh, they are really the ones who have a lot more to offer to me. Mm. My greatest uh, experience of you is how cool you are as a dad. <laughs> You're just cool. You're just so cool. You yes. really are. So that's really my son. <laughs> After a certain age, they stop seeing you as cool. <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. Well, I understand. <laughs> that would make sense. You know, they have to go through that phase for sure. For sure. I love them. They're awesome. Yeah. I, I have a couple more things I want to ask you about because I, listen, I mean, people who don't know you, you really need to, they don't, you know, they're not going to see what I know about you. Um, so I want to expose that because for me, it's so important. Like you're an important part of the world. And uh, what you teach and what you share and stuff you're talking about, and especially the storylines of possibility and change are really important, you know? 
So I want to ask you this big question about what do you think the world needs to do? What do you think we need to embrace? What do you think, if we're all united, what do you think it is that we really need to understand? Whatever it is that comes to you that is important for the world, not just for the individual. You know, as you speak, what I'm reminded of is that if we all stop doing stuff, in 25 yes. years, the world will be back to normal and ecosystem resolved. Right? Clean, the sky is clean. So our, our challenge is not in doing stuff. We've done enough. Just, you know, so. I love it. <laughs> so let's, you know, let's slow down the doing and focus on meaningful action. Um, meaningful. So far, it's just been random reactive action. So let's just <laughs> slow it down, you know, slow down the need to do stuff and, uh, and, and really reflect on what is the deeper impact of this action? Is it really meaningful? Is it really adding value? health, happiness, strength, joy, peacefulness to me and those around me. So it, it, it's more like a, a filtering process of our action. You know, I'd, I'd invite people to not do, you know, so <laughs> do things that are more meaningful and impactful and not just add to the noise and, and, uh, and of ideas out there. So, so yeah, it's, the focus is much more on meaningful action and it's not for me to prescribe what that means. It's for one to really dive deep and understand what that means for them. Um, yeah, so meaningful action is more important than just me saying, hey, you know, do yoga, you know, um, maybe that's not for you. Cool. You know, maybe it's going for a run. Maybe it's dancing. Absolutely. Just go for it. You know? mm -hmm. And let me ask you another question that's important for me to hear what you have to say about. I want to know what happened to generosity and what we need to do to open the door to that again. So this is it. So we started the conversation with, there's a story around greed, right? Yeah. So we developed systems and systems around greed. And what's the antidote to that? Well, we create a story around generosity. It's that simple. <laughs> it's really that simple. And as we perceive, so it is. So when we start to create more stories around generosity, celebrate stories of generosity, you know, and embody stories of generosity, suddenly, the individual story changes, the, the local story changes, the national story changes, and the collective global story changes for generations. That's how powerful it is. So it is my sincere intention to serve the story of generosity intimately, interpersonally, and collectively. That's what I really care deeply about. Mm. You know, that's what I wish to be a part of because I sincerely feel that's the antidote very logically speaking to the story around greed yeah and tell tell people let's talk about a little bit what people can do on their own how can they perceive and start to take actions around the thoughts of generosity and what that means is there any suggestions because yeah. some we, we've fought we're far you know when i we talk about generosity well yeah but yeah but yeah but this is what i hear yeah but yeah but yeah but no the yeah but is the greed pulling you in making you worry about what you might lose by your action of generosity so what can we help people understand so they can just start that journey? To understand that generosity is an intention. See it as an intention first. The intention empowers and informs the verbal action. Yes. And that informs the physical action. It's yes. the intention of generosity. Am I coming from a place of generosity? Mm -hmm. As a father, am I coming from a place of generosity to my children? As a husband as a yoga teacher, as a speaker, whatever, it, whatever role I'm playing, 
-hmm. is my inner climate one of generosity? Which yeah. means, am I here to serve and appreciate those around me? This is something I have, I have some say over. How people receive me and react, this is something, this is random. I don't have any say over that. But I should have some say over my intention. You know? And what jams it up, really, I find, is our need to prove, is our need to defend, is our need to promote. Mm, you know? So I have this mantra I carry in my back pocket, and I use it all the time. Before I, I use it just now before speaking with you. Get your pen and paper. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really feeling it. It's not just intellectual. I really feel the intention. You know, I have nothing to prove. I have nothing to promote. I have nothing to defend. I'm here to serve and appreciate. Mm, that right. creates an inner climate of generosity in me. Right. And the rest is what it is. Yeah. That to me generosity. It's your yeah. inner climate. I love it. What's your description of generosity? It's, it's exactly this, to serve and appreciate. And what that means is serve. Mm -hmm. What are my unique gifts, talents, knacks, attributes? For me to serve properly, I need to have some mastery over this. I need to be beyond competent. So it, it has maximum impact. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. And it, when I'm in a state of appreciating, appreciating this moment with you, right away my inner guidance is speaking because i have no horse in the race you know i i'm not trying to prove anything to you i'm not trying to promote anything i'm trying to defend any point of view i'm here to appreciate you so i'm not even here it's that inner voice the guidance that's speaking and it feels deeply uplifting and yeah. i know you know this as well so you find yourself saying stuff you go oh, where'd that come from <laughs> you know that was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> You know, this sort of a thing starts to happen more and more. You start to recognize and, and notice coincidences, serendipities, and, you know, you, the empathic side of you gets heightened. Yes. Because you have no horse in the race. And this is generosity. Mm. We are, once we start being tight, the hue of that is generosity. Love it. You know, I just adore you. I'm just tingling and my heart's very full. Like... I'm like, I'm good. You guys, how are you all doing? Because I'm good right now. I really am. It's so evolutionary, you know, to have this kind of conversation and to just bring it back to that simplicity of actions and intention. And, you know, appreciation is huge, 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 huge for me. You know what I mean? Really, really big. It literally saved my life. Yes. Yes. And what's like, I want to know, because I, you know, how I am about you. I want to know the story that would represent three months ago. Okay. It's amazing you say that. So uh, about three months ago, three and a half months ago, Caroline, my wife, she, she left her job. You know, she went on temporary EI, shut, shut down and so on. And right away, she got obsessed with cleaning out all the books in our house. We have a whole bunch of books lying around. It was like, just so we started to categorize them in books. We, we marry condo did you know marry condo where you have to really connect with it and see if it gives you joy and if you connect with it so yeah. she gave me a bunch of books to connect with and i was going through that process mm, yes no yes no <laughs> and this book came to me and i've never seen the book before so i tried to connect with it and i was feeling nothing i'm like i don't know about this book so i just opened the book at a random page and it fell upon this story and the story goes like this it was a sufi story of a character called nasruddin in the story, Nasruddin was just wandering outside his town 
and the plague came by. Nasruddin asked the plague, hey, what are you doing? The plague said, I'll be honest with you. I'm here to take 10,000 lives. <gasps> Nasruddin was shocked. Plague goes into town. A hundred thousand people died. Well, as the plague is leaving the town, Nasruddin was so shocked, so furious with the plague. What did you do? You promised me you'd take 10,000 lives. Now a hundred thousand people have died. And the plague responded, well, I was true to my word. I only took 10,000 lives. The rest died from fear. Mm. Fear, mm. 10 times more dangerous than the plague. Yes. Times, you know? <laughs> Don't let fear jam up your playful heart. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. And a story about now. This is it, my dear. This is the story for now. This is it. What we are living, breathing, experiencing, right down to 50 trillion cells in the body or so dancing around. That's the story of now. Yeah. How beautiful is that story? Yeah. You know, there's no story that can match the story of now. It's an amazing story. I, I can't, every time I tune in, I, I, I can't handle it. You know, the story of now is so beautiful. Yeah. No, it really is. It really, really is. And again, with the texture of appreciation and just sitting in the moment and looking mm. from that place. It's so good. What about a story about four months from now? <sighs> four months from now. This is a longer story, <laughs> but I, uh, I, you have, okay. All right. All right. Then I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. What, what's coming up for me for four months from now is, uh, is the golden Buddha story. <laughs> so it so happens you know, a while back, there was a little town in Vietnam and the prized possession of this town is this massive, magnificent golden Buddha statue. It was spectacular, just amazing. And word soon came to this village that there was a foreign army attacking the land and they were getting closer and closer to this village. And the villagers right away got very, you know, concerned about the statue. Of course, they will pillage the statue. What to do? We can't carry it with us. It's too big. So one villager had the brilliant idea of covering the statue with mud. So they all got together, patched it with mud and carved it perfectly and left the village. Sure enough, the army came to town. They disregarded the mud statue. They took what they could for a few days and the army also left. And the village laid bare for decades and a whole new settlement came to the village. Nobody knew about the statue. And they lived like this for decades and decades. And finally, one hot afternoon, a young monk was sitting, meditating in front of the mud statue. And as he opened his eyes, he saw something glistening in the corner of the statue. He became very curious. He went up and scratched at it and the dust fell off and it revealed gold. Immediately, he ran to the monastery and, and said, gold, the statue is made of gold. And all the senior monks came from the monastery, etched away all the mud and returned the statue to its original golden nature. So this is my best hope for four months from now, you know, is to realize that we have this beautiful golden Buddha nature in us. It's just waiting to shine and to take this chance, just remove all this mud you know, of fear and diffidence and all that kind of stuff. So in four months from now, we can really shine um, 
you know, in a natural golden state. Mm. So this is my best wish for, for me, for you, for humanity. I love it. That's beautiful. So beautiful. And I want to just ask you, what are you up to? Talk to me about how, first of all, because I want people who are listening who don't know you because I absolutely adore you and just think you're magnificent. And I can't wait to see which, what's going on with you in 20 years from now. It's just been so, you know, for me, of the evolution of our connection and how we do this and, you know, just where, oh, look where you are now. Oh, how beautiful, how wonderful. And, you know, the evolutionary journey of, of your life and, you know, your soul's experience and all that. And in the present moment, you know, I know you're helping people, you're serving and you're doing what you do. And what are you doing now to serve people? Like, are you still working? Can people connect with you? Can they take your class? Like, talk to me about that. Um, so, you know, right now, obviously, I did a lot of things in group settings, retreats, conferences, workshops, uh, yes. and so on. So that obviously has diminished. Yeah. I do offer several private classes through zoom so that's still going on it's more my corporate yeah. clients okay. um every now and again uh, there are you know webinars and conversations like this i'd love to share with people uh, i release videos now and again of practices and insights and so on so the last time i checked i was only pascal goswami in montreal so so you can just <laughs> google me or facebook me and you should be able yeah. to find the find find that and also my website which is pascalgoswami.com um that has what's going on yeah. um what I'm, we did a pilot project retreat a couple of weeks ago an open air retreat in point claire it was absolutely beautiful uh so there's an intention to do more outdoors kind of retreats um so i'm working on one right now hasn't been uh, fully detailed yet so that's kind of what it is a lot of web-based uh, group activities i'm also doing a lot of privates now so yeah. uh, that that's really growing a lot. So there's yeah. two flavors. I call it uh, catch a fish or teach how to fish. So catch a fish is when I, through the web or face-to-face -face, social distancing respected, I, I meet with people and offer, you know, practices as a yoga consultant. Teaching how to fish is more mentoring. So really going into how to teach, how to be a yoga teacher, mindfulness teacher, you know, the philosophy and, and also practical stuff like branding and marketing stuff. So I basically allow people to just have access to me open source, uh, not to create other versions of me, <laughs> but to create a uh, highest version of themselves, uh, yes. just giving the tools that might benefit them. So yeah. I'm doing a lot of private one-on-one -on -one stuff now, which I'm really yeah. appreciating because there's an opportunity to really dive down deep when it's one-to-one. Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who are looking for that, remember your business might need it, your employees might need, might need Beskar. You may want to, you know, just get connected with him to, you know, get some wisdom and just work through whatever you're going through in your own personal life as well. Like it's so important because people don't, you know, a conversation like this leads to an opening, but they don't understand the impact you can make from being a mentor from all your experience. You're also a yogapreneur. You're an entrepreneur. You're a person who has put yourself out there, who has gone through challenges, who does understand what it's like to, you know, teach spirit you know, teach practice and teach way of living and way of being. So, you know, it's wonderful. So that's important if you guys, you know, I'll make sure all the links are there for anybody who's interested in connecting with you. And you can work with anybody anywhere in the world just to tell you, my beautiful audience, he's limitless. <laughs> so please like take, take advantage of that 
um, opportunity if you feel connected to this conversation. You know, I just love you and adore you so much. Me too. We should have many more of these conversations because they're very important. And for my podcast friends who listen to this, make sure that you call them up and get them on yours because that's really important as well. You're willing so generously to share your wisdom. You know what I mean? You're my favorite storyteller in the world. So <laughs> that's hashtag my favorite storyteller. <laughs> yeah. Is there any other final like words of wisdom you really want people to just walk or keep with them as we as we close up let's close up with this understanding of dharma you know it's so clear to me there's such a profound gift in you lisa and and you know that it is deeply nourishing to offer that gift it's just it's just how we're built as human beings you know mm -hmm. it's the laws of nature it rewards us when we give our gift that's also why i wish to serve it's so beautiful i'm objectively speaking i've received some insights and gifts just like the color of my eyes i can't take credit for it it's just there and it's beautiful to help and serve through that. Uh, and it's true for every single person. We all have unique gifts and attributes. And it's just deeply rewarding as a human condition to, to serve with that. So let's land on that. You know, let's land on this idea of dharma, that we have a unique DNA fingerprint sort of uh, purpose in this life that we're born with. Our gifts point to that. Uh, and uh, let's master these gifts and offer them to the world and yeah. create a mighty story together. Good for ourselves, good Love for everyone around us. My hair is standing on end now, which is always good. <laughs> That's always a good sign, always. And it's important, you know, it's really important, all of you, to, to remember that. You have to... Go find your fingerprint. Remember, that's critical at this point. So thank you so much for today. What an amazing conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I adore you. I adore you too. Until Such our next time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. Nice